Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. Now how useful is the FP&A, the Financial Planning and Analysis Department, in creating value for their businesses? Because in a recent finance trend survey, 70% of CFOs named FP&A the function as the top priority for them to transform and gain more value from. So how do we make it happen? Well, on this episode, we go back over four guest mentor interviews and distill from them their experiences in positioning FP&A in ways that create more value for their enterprises and organizations, not only to meet the demands of today, but also to benefit from developments into the future. And what's more, those guest mentors draw from countries internationally. So loads of great advice in there. And if you enjoyed the episode, please let your friends and your colleagues know. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to the show. Finance is, is sort of in a, in, in a changing uh, environment. You talk about big data, artificial intelligence, uh, deep learning. Um, for many years, finance has been trying to fill in a strategic role. Uh, it has always been on the high end of the agenda, number one, two, or three, you know, more strategic development. And then you see how much are you uh, investing in training your personnel on strategic planning, zero or none. So there's <laughs> always been a gap. And, and now I just see there is no option. Uh, you either, as a CFO, try to do everything and get stuck in the middle again, or you start splitting it up. I really see the opportunity in getting finance and the transactions part separated from, let's say, the business developed part. You get the operations, uh, you talk about controlling, compliance, but also data. They, your data has to be perfect. Who could be better than the IT department and an accountant? They talk data. You talk to the operations, they have the KPIs. Now, a financial CFO, I think he would like to be much more active and needs to be much more active on the strategic part, uh, side. So you talk about um, I would say business drivers, business models, value-based management. Now that's a whole different ball game. If you split that up in, let's say, a, a chief accountant officer and a chief value officer, they really add value to the board. What has been happening, for example, in the last 10 years? You have IT, it's been booming last 20 years. So now you have chief information officer. Risk management, since actually 2001, since the, the, the telecom crisis, they have been on the rise. So you have a chief uh, risk officer. Those tasks were under the governance of the CFO. So why not also accounting make that person really in charge of accounting? Imagine what blockchain will do. If you add all that information, it has to be perfect. It, it's, a, it's a ledger controlled system. So we know everything about ledgers. You know, an accountant, they work with a general ledger. So they know everything. 
with IT, you can become a client for the CFO. And then the CFO is liberated to work on business development. Think about the circular economy. Think about all those small startups. Uh, perhaps you want to have a bolt on to uh, explore new areas within your business. So you want to look forward, you want to understand, but you need to have perfect numbers. So why also be responsible for that? And, and I think that's a, a stuck in the middle situation today. The CFO has to choose or um, try to do everything and, and sub-optimize or uh, start evolving. And in this area, I think financial planning and analysis is sort of the trigger and also the, the, the unsuspected, uh, um, let's say, change agent in this process because he's exactly working with the data trying to get into the story and present it to add value to the business. Now, that's why I am very much interested in financial planning analysis and I like to help people uh, advance in this career. Yeah, like I, I know you've written about this pre previously, but I suppose is that where the opportunity lies for accounting and finance into the future then in terms to really add value is, is to, I had to move away from it in terms of towards FP&A or, you know, is there still a role for compliance and controllership given that, you know, you've had that experience in your career as well? Is there is there an opportunity for both to coexist or is it in the same organization or is it in effect splitting it up in your mind? What's the best way? Uh, in my mind, I would split it up um, and, and actually upgrade the accounting level uh, like chief accounting officer. And, and, and I do not want to say downgrade the CFO because most CFOs, they are most of the time involved, especially for large corporations, in merchant acquisitions. You have a corporate business development. That's Those are ex-financials or people who want to go into private equity later. They talk all the time about valuations. So it's, uh, and they uh, investor relations. So the CFO is already in that strategic role. He's already uh, been able to externalize or outsource most of the transaction services. So he should have more time available, but don't get stuck into the data. Delegate it to somebody who is really, let's say, who should be compliant and be on top of it. That's my 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 understanding. And I would say then you get then you can get uh, quick wins or you get really advancements. Uh, if you look at the top fifty uh, Fortune companies, everything is outsourced. And then and then we're talking about ten years ago. So. Um, HR was outsourced, contracting was outsourced. You talk about uh, accounting in different countries, uh, invoicing in different countries. It was all outsourced. Why? Um, save money. And locally, the controllers there, they had to have a new role. So they started to advance more in financial planning and much more in business partnering. Mm -hmm. So actually, it's, it's a natural evolution of finance which is happening. So I would suggest go on. Yeah, keep 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 evolving, yeah. keep evolving. So so I suppose let's say, in terms of that keeping keeping that theme of evolving, you know what things should aspiring financial analysis and planners be looking to be doing so that they're evolving in the right way in your mind. So I suppose what should they be looking out for? So over the next say twelve months to remain relevant and be part of that evolution in finance, what things could they be doing now to make sure that they're evolving? Uh, in terms of towards doing the right financial planning and analysis? If I think about financial planning and analysis, my keyword always is forecasting. 
uh, it's a central theme. So you have to understand business planning. What is impacting the forecast? So you think about scenario planning. If there is the dollars going up and down or if with the Brexit or if there are trade barriers, what will happen to the supply chain? What will happen to your clients? Interest rates might go up, which is actually um, happening already. So what will happen to your <laughs> clients? Will they purchase in the same amount or not? What will happen to your uh, um, supply credits, etc.? So there's a lot of things happening. So the external elements, be aware of what's happening in the business. So you talk about business planning. So for financial working in finance planning analysis, don't wait for the information to come from the company but see what's happening outside and how it would affect the whole business or the segment the, the, the company is working in. Yeah, I, d I definitely agree with you, Richard. I think there's that element of what if it's balancing, you know, making sure there's good quality data to make some what if predictions. Yeah, yep. exactly. Exactly. And, and, and you have to talk to management on their ideas. Do of they course. see an urgency or not in your, your assumptions or your subject? ask what is happening what are you worried about you know uh, do you think about your 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 supply chain do you think about your it systems perhaps uh, there are some opportunities uh, available i don't know because so much nowadays is being automated and being linked together uh, so much open source is available to all kinds of oh, companies yeah. so uh, where do you want to develop uh, in the old days, the old days, 10 years ago, it was very expensive. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We, we, still, we still have a bit left in us, Richard. <laughs> the old days, 10 years ago, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it, exactly. Just us yeah. using this perspective on reality, it's absurd. But 10 years ago, it was very expensive to, to change your systems. Now it's open source and you just hire guys to program for you. They all work uh, abroad that you can buy them by the hour. FP&A is, is a relatively new field. It's been around in, in, shapes, in different shapes and forms for you know, decades and decades. But in, in regards to the development of it, a separate department within a finance or under the CFO organization, it's relatively new. And, but that's where I see the future going. So I believe in continuous accounting and that within the next 10 to 15 years, this accounting closed process we go through will be eliminated. And we'll oh, move okay. forward to continuous accounting, continuous accounting structure because of the automation that the cloud and other digital technologies allow us. And we need to do that as, as a, a people, as an organization, um, because there's too much data being created. No matter how many accountants and finance people are minted, there is physically not enough of us to manage and analyze this data. And I say, well, there's data sciences and other things like that. And you're right. But the finance function really takes everything and looks at everything through the lens of profit, through the lens of dollars. And so we, we, we're very important in understanding, you know, not pure research, but applied research and applying those numbers to actionable things that an organization or person can do. Um, so, you know, when I envision FP&A, I see it as becoming more fewer accounts, more FP&A. That's a kind of a, a tough thing to say because yeah. uh, as a profession, we don't like to change. I mean, as accountant, we're just not known as, as dynamic. For, I mean, no, no accountant walks into the room and, like, girls scream, yay! It just doesn't happen, okay? I mean, unless you're an accountant and you're a beetle or something. 
but you know, we're just not dynamic individuals. So we don't like change. But in order for us to progress as a profession, in order for the you know the world to progress, to be honest with you, yeah, you, you really need to to go on and, and say, okay, well, I need to evolve my skill set into the FPNA, and there'll be more people in FPNA than there are going to be in accounting in the near future, in my opinion. And in terms of evolving that skill set, Ken, like what what may be the the one, two, three key things um, aspiring FPNA professionals should look towards? You know, it's, it's interesting. It's um, you know, you you sit there and the, the knee jerk reaction, oh, analytic skills. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, we we got we got amazing tools now to to really aid us for that. I think the biggest thing is communication. So, um, you know, I'm having a symposium in Washington D.C. metro area. Um, and we're, we're focusing on the FP&A function for the first symposium. And it's going to be people, process, and technology. And, you know, we talk about the, the skill sets. One of those is people. And, and, you know, people, what type of skills do people need to start learning? How do you involve your FP&A team if they came from accounting or getting their master's in business or engineering uh, or consulting or investment banking? Because they do come from different fields, and, and that adds value to a team. Um, you know, how do you evolve their skill sets to be ready for the next thing? Uh, and it's a key question that we're going to be discussing. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question, actually. And there's a lot of thought out there that the, I think there's like a tipping point with diversity in the team in terms of a, mm-hmm. a finance team in particular, bringing people in from dis- different backgrounds, different countries, uh, different disciplines and professions. But, but we're not all arriving uh, on the same same page. Some might be stronger than others. And it's about pulling them together. Um, I, I suppose. It... Oh, and, and I just want to say, in gender too. I mean, it's not just because oh, they have God. two daughters. Oh. But for what I what I found very valuable Definitely. is is a diverse team. But also, seventy percent of of, uh, of purchases are still made, at least in the U.S., by 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 women. And you know, if you're, and that could be B two B or B two C. I don't care. They bring a different perspective because of they're looking at life through a different lens. Um, so I found that you have less congruent think with when you have a good mix and congruent think of you know, have a whole bunch of people in the room this is what everyone wants to see right someone up on the whiteboard doing something and 10 people in the room nodding their heads well <laughs> i don't i don't like that i actually want dissent i want challenges yes. i want to know you know and not that i want professional challenges yeah, but yeah. when you have that different uh views you begin to think differently and come up with better solutions in my opinion This is this is an interesting question that uh, very difficult to answer just in few sentences. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what we are um, discussing um, around the globe with our international FPNA boards, uh, the boards that um, attended by CFOs and finance directors of large organizations. Um, the, the reality is that everything starts from the culture, and this is uh, currently culture. this is one of the yeah. biggest barrier. Uh, on the way of um, modern financial planning and analysis. Uh, if this is a very traditional culture where a very traditional budgeting and planning process is embedded into this culture, then it's very difficult to change anything. You know, you could be wonderful FPNA practitioner, professional uh, with a um, fantastic team of analysts, uh, but the reality is that probably you wouldn't even you you wouldn't be even allowed uh, to share your ideas if company is very traditional yeah. uh, if company um, 
prepared set the, the, the targets that are probably not so analytical and more judgmental. You know, budgeting, it's all about judgment very often. You know, very, very rare traditional budgeting process uh, is analytical, uh, independent, and creative process. Very often this is the negotiation between top management and operational uh, directors about uh, the targets and future uh, goals and bonuses. So in reality, this is what is budget, yeah? And if you still have this uh, process very embedded in your company, it's very difficult to change it. But though I've seen some situations when it could be changed from the bottom uh, by those uh, very analytical people with some very interesting analytical uh, insights that they can share in the company. So I saw that it's happening already. So the first one, obviously, this is the culture. The second one, People have, have to be ready. You know, we already talk about traditional accountants. Definitely, they are not traditional accountants. They are not just mm-hmm. consolidators of information. And we already discussed this, uh, that people should be thinking outside of the box. They should be proactive. Definitely. They also should be quite brave, you know, because sometimes it's not easy uh, in organization to go outside and to say, you know what, but we have to change this, this and that because this is what our analytics showing, and this is what we are going to have in the future. And sometimes it's not easy when company doesn't allow uh, this free thinking and company doesn't allow um, the ideas, analytical ideas. Sometimes it happens, unfortunately. It does. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. It does. And can be very frustrating as well. Yeah. You know, and, you know, to build resilience, to keep going and keep believing in, in the value we're trying to provide. Very, very difficult scenarios. And I've seen a lot of good. FP&A professionals leave and move to other companies where they're embraced and sometimes that's unfortunately the move and you know I, I tend to see what happens other times the the finance teams of those those business units where where they left they tend to stagnate absolutely and um, absolutely. you know like that you know culture is so important but you got to give it a shot you know you can't quit before you, you you've given it a go because you learn so much in that process about yourself and also the culture that's going to fit for you, where analytics is going to be appreciated. It's absolutely true, Andrew. So the best way to lose your best analysts, this is to, to create this atmosphere where, where they have uh, to be very political, to think what they um, yeah. deliver exactly. uh, to the top management and so on so far. But, you know, another thing which is very important, uh, this is also analytical, um, uh, analytical systems. In many companies, um, Planning systems, they're either outdated or maybe if new systems were implemented recently, they were implemented with the um, old um, model in, uh, in mind. And what I mean by this, uh, you see, even the way how we model and how we plan, all of this should be changed as well. So it's not a line-by-line planning uh, almost to your general ledger level uh, as we used to do many, many years in traditional management accounting. But actually, this is thinking about key drivers, thinking about how these key drivers are going to change, thinking about outside and uh, internal and external drivers, and also um, creating the architecture of your model that allows you for very quick, almost um, in real-time decision-making process. And if you ask me uh, whether many companies uh, manage to achieve it, uh, no, it's not happening yet. Ultimately, I see 
FTNA as a valuation exercise because the concept behind it is truly assessing and creating value. I, th- I like the way you distilled that down to its core essence for FPNA, Rob. So, uh, and there was a lot in there. I could see you now why you had great mentors, right? So, there's a lot in there. So, I want to um, deconstruct some of those elements. So, let's perhaps about you mentioned FPNA as a valuation exercise. Okay, maybe what what does that look for in practice for someone who's maybe not as familiar with FPNA? Like, how 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 would we go and describe that to them? That that's that's a great question. The fundamental equation in valuation is really price equals cash flow divided by a certain discount rate. So we need to look at each individual piece. We need to thoroughly vet our cash flow. Where is our cash flow coming from? What are the sources of cash flow? Are they are they financing? Are they investment oriented? Are they operationally oriented? Which ultimately is our goal. At what rate will the market at what discount rate that denominator will the market employ in assessing our potential future risk and reward and that's cash flow divided by r and that equals p price which really is the concept of value and fpna again to me is all about creating corporate value now, we might not be, in, Andrew, we might not be employing that valuation formula in what we do. Say we're simply constructing a pivot table so we can look at how many scarves and hats and mittens and boots we sold. <laughs> okay. I, and I'm yeah. not trying to knock it, you know, any yeah, particular yeah. Excel formula or, <laughs> or anything or, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> or capability. Um, but, yeah. you know, simply looking at a, at a pivot table. Well, okay, so we're not at that end, you know, value result yet. But we're starting to get there. We're looking at sources of value when we do things like sort data and uh, manage data and create pivot tables and so on and so forth. So that type of analysis ultimately is leading us to the bread and butter question of how do we create value? Where is it coming from? And where can we create it in the future? Yeah, I I think what you've done there, Rob, is you've probably started with the why, the reason for FP&A being the valuation creation exercise and gives a reason for doing those hard yards to deconstruct what needs to be done. You know, the bread and butter, as you said, to get towards identifying the proper sources of value, right? So so that's why FP&A does what FP&A does. And you got it. really forget that. You know, so I love, again, I love how you distilled it down to that statement. So I'm glad we sort of fleshed it out a bit. And then there was another key thing in there that I felt really important. I don't want our audience to miss it, right, is... It's making sure we're solving for the right answer. All right. Yes. So, 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 okay. So, um, so what would that look like in practice now for our audience? How do, how do, how would they know that they're solving for the right answer? What could we share with them? Well, uh, a number one, we can honest, honest to God, Andrew, a number one, we can open the te- our textbooks. <laughs> we can go back and open our textbooks. I handwrite 
my uh, corporate, my valuation, the, my basic valuation formulas every year, um, all the ones that we learned in, in college and in grad school, I make a point, number one, of handwriting them every year. Uh, number two is open our textbooks and make sure that um, conceptually we are going down the right path. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, and I've seen this in large corporate environments. Um, you don't divide net income, which is an equity concept, by total invested capital, which is all sources of financing debt plus preferred plus equity. You've mixed apples and oranges. And I see all the often all the hard work of calling data, taking it through a calculation process, coming up with it with a final answer, i.e. useful business information. But unfortunately it's the wrong concept. And, and I do see this through time professionally. And that's somewhat frustrating to me that we can dedicate so much resource, but kind of somehow be off the mark in our final yeah. answer. And like, and like I've probably, I got thoughts on this, but why do you think we're in effect spinning the wheels on that? Why are we dedicating so much time to something that's ultimately not probably value creating or is useful? Human nature, actually. A number one, yeah. do we really trust the finance theory, okay, <laughs> that we learned? Because, quite frankly, a lot of functional areas are pretty happy to dismiss uh, cor corporate finance theory. A number, because maybe that's not what they learned. And we need a little more trust around the table, I think, at times. Yeah. Um, so A, number one, do you really trust the theory? Yeah. And number two is, you know, mankind's, you know, instinct to go for the busy work. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm laughing because I can see myself in that sometimes. And I know there's two. Um but okay, so so how do we snap out of that busy work? I suppose it's coming back. I probably you probably answered that earlier, right? It's coming back to that why again. Yeah, I, let's start. Let's start at the end result and work backwards. Completely. Let's take the time. That's a really good question, Andrew. Um, this is going to lead to good, valuable conversation. Let's start <laughs> at at our final model output. Okay. And let's nail that down and get it right. And let's start working backwards. Okay. As we move through our calculation processes and back and then ultimately into our underlying data. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way to build financial models. For example, in Excel, start at the end result make sure you so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show 
If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.